0: About five years ago, I had an opportunity to go to a training with our denomination in New Mexico. And it was this training that was, was focused on leading churches through uh, transitions. So it was for, for pastors who were walking with churches who were in the middle of a transition. Now, on one hand, I was thrilled to have an opportunity to go. It was in this, this beautiful retreat center that the denomination owns called, called Ghost Ranch. That's about an hour north of Santa Fe. And on the other hand, I was a bit frustrated. My my oldest daughter was was three, my son was only a few months old, and it just didn't feel right to be leaving my my wife and my my kids, my young kids, at home for this time. It, It felt selfish to leave. Now, it was somewhere around the third or the fourth day of the training that I actually stopped feeling guilty for being away. We had about three or four hours of training each and every morning and another four or maybe five hours in the evening. But but that meant that we had a lot of time during the day really to do whatever we wanted. So, so I slept. I drank coffee while it was still warm. I drank coffee alone. I, I read. I, I prayed. Uh, eventually, the short walks that I started going on, they, they, they turned into long solo hikes up into these beautiful beautiful canyons it had been a long time since i had experienced that sort of stillness that kind of quiet and i'm not really sure if in the last five years i've I've experienced it to that degree again now because there wasn't good cell phone service and, and i could only get wi-fi in one spot at the retreat center most of the time i was completely disconnected from from my church from from the news and from my family. Now, at first, I really did fight going, but but solitude was just what I needed, especially if I was to thrive as a husband and a dad and a pastor. I needed that rest. Now, at its core, silence and solitude are about calming our hearts and our minds. It's taking the meditation discipline that we talked about a couple weeks ago and kind of stretching it out for an extended period of time. Richard Foster, who's someone I've been quoting quite a bit during this series, he, he writes that solitude is something that prepares us to carry a portable sanctuary with us everywhere we go. And what an appropriate uh, quote during, during this season where I'm standing in our sanctuary, but obviously you aren't here, to take the sanctuary with you wherever you are. It, it, silence, solitude, it's something that Jesus modeled all the time. In, in Matthew chapter 4, after Jesus is baptized and, and before he begins his public ministry, he takes a retreat into the wilderness. Remember, that's where he's he's tempted by the devil and he, he's looked after by the angels. In Luke chapter 6, we read that just before Jesus chooses the 12 apostles, he spends a night in, in the mountains. Matthew chapter 14, it, it tells us, That when Jesus receives the news that his cousin John had died, he he takes a boat to a solitary place to be alone, probably to sort out his own feelings, to kind of process what this meant for him, maybe to to, to mourn, to grieve. And then later in that same chapter, after feeding thousands of people with a few fish and and loaves of bread, he sends the disciples away so he can be alone, so he can be by himself. And on the night before he's arrested, we we talk about this all the time before communion. On the night before he's arrested, he takes Peter, James, and John with him to the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he leaves them for a while so he can go alone to be with his father. Almost every time that something significant happens in Jesus's ministry, in Jesus's life, he either gets away before it takes place or, or after it takes place. And I think there's an important lesson for us here as well. When Jesus is in public, he's, he's completely present with those with whom he's with. He gives them his full attention. But when he's alone, he, he's, he's diligent with being completely by himself. He's intentional. And, and, and I think it's something that, that we, uh, we can learn from as well. We, we need to learn to be just as intentional. So when when Mark's gospel records the death of of John the Baptist and and the feeding of the 5,000 in chapter 6, there's this small moment right between those two events where Jesus invites his disciples to be alone themselves. With all the people that had been around, with all that was taking place, he knew that they were tired, that they were emotionally drained. So he says this, he says this, he says, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. It wasn't only about following Jesus' example. They were exhausted. They needed that rest. They needed that solitude to carry on. It didn't matter how much work needed to be done. Or what else was taking place in the world at that time. Jesus said, come away. Come, come away. Find a place a quiet place to get some rest. Sometimes we need to give ourselves permission to do the same thing, to get away to find a quiet place for rest. Now, outside of Jesus's temptation at the beginning of his ministry and what happens at the end in the Garden of Gethsemane, we can't really know exactly what he did when he was alone. We know that he was fed by the spirit, that he spent time in prayer and that he he rested. And I don't think it would be too much of a stretch to to say that he prayed through Psalms, maybe something similar to what what we read earlier in Psalm 46, or or that he he spent some time quoting and and remembering the scripture that he had studied. Now that Psalm that we read, Psalm 46 that Catherine read earlier, it reminds us that in the middle of the storms in life, and we know those storms are going to come, in the middle of chaos, In the middle of of uncertainty, God is sovereign. And that really means that that God is in control. Now, like like many of the Psalms, Psalm 46 is written with a a community in mind, with the intent of being used in in a, a worship setting. It starts with this declaration. God is our refuge in strength. God is our refuge in strength, which means God protects God's people, and they have nothing to fear, even in the midst of of quaking a quaking earth and of of nations who are constantly at war with one another. The sovereign God is in the middle of it all. So the first few chapters of Isaiah, they they tell this story about the history, I should say, of, of Jerusalem and when it was under attack, under attack from the Assyrian Empire. Now, the Assyrians, they never really completely conquered Jerusalem, but but they were always terrorizing Jerusalem. They were always attacking them. And Israel believed, the people of Israel believed, that Jerusalem wasn't ever fully conquered because Yahweh was providing refuge in that city. So the second line in Psalm 46, an ever-present help in trouble, it, it, it literally translates to much to be found, ever present, much to be found. So we can almost look at this Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, and then translate that second part, God's easy to find even when there's trouble. God is there even when there's trouble, readily available. When we get to the pinnacle of the the picture that the psalmist paints, God proclaims, Be still and know that I am God. To know that God is God is to experience God. It's not just knowledge, something that we we know in our minds. It's relational. It is something that we experience. So when we practice solitude, we're, we're choosing to be still, to be settled, to experience a peace that doesn't quite always make sense to the rest of the world. And now I I know talking about solitude right now in the midst of all that we're going through with this pandemic might sound a little cruel. But where many of us are alone, and if we're not physically alone, we often feel kind of trapped by ourselves with our thoughts and our our fears about this whole thing. But there is a difference. I want us to hear this, that there is a difference between solitude and isolation. There's this this wonderful book uh, written by a guy named John Mark Cormer. I totally recommend it, uh, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And in it, John talks about the difference between solitude and isolation. So he writes Solitude is when you're alone with God and your own soul. Solitude is engagement. Isolation is escape. Solitude is, is safety. Isolation is danger. Solitude is how you open yourself up to God. Isolation is painting a target on your back for the tempter. Solitude is when you set aside time to feed and water and nourish your soul, to let it grow into healthy, to health and maturity. Isolation is when you crave, is what you crave when you neglect the former. And solitude, as somber as it sounds, is anything but loneliness. It's where many go to feel most connected to God. Now, we, we can't always go away for a week or even a day, though it's definitely a practice I, I'd recommend taking up when we can. There, there are a few different ways that we can practice solitude in our everyday life, even, even right now. First, we, we can find moments to be still each and every day. Richard Foster, he, he calls and refers to these moments as, as little solitudes. There are places in our, in times in our, in our day where we normally fill our, our time with one thing, but instead it's the invitation to choose to do nothing, to be silent, to be still. Maybe you normally have the TV on in your home. You can practice solitude by simply turning it off for a while. Maybe when you're driving in your car, you usually listen to the radio or a podcast or some music. You can practice solitude by simply turning it off. Maybe instead of turning to your phone first thing in the morning to, to check in on social media or, or to email someone from work, you, you can consciously choose solitude by taking 10 minutes to just be alone in the morning or to just be alone before you go to sleep. Now, there's a little bit of sacrifice in this practice, but it's not really much. If you think about it, it's, it's just a, a few minutes where you're replacing something with nothing. Another way we can encourage ourselves to practice solitude is by intentionally creating a quiet space. Every time that Jesus practiced solitude, he went somewhere. The mountains, the wilderness, a boat. It was always somewhere he left. He was intentional. Now, I have a friend in Orange County who has three young boys who are all very close in in years, so his house is chaotic all the time. And he literally built a four foot by four foot personal office in his garage just so he could have a space to get away from, to get away to, 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 in his own busy house to have this this space to be quiet. Now, you might not go to that extreme, but but we all need a space. Maybe it's a, a place on the patio a certain chair in in your house. Maybe it's a certain tree in the park that you always visit and that's just the place that you're quiet and still. Or maybe it's a walk at the beach. Maybe it's our our, our prayer garden right outside our sanctuary. What does it look like for you to have a consistent place that you go to to practice solitude? The third way we can be disciplined with with developing this discipline is to just build a routine. This whole series I've been saying that spiritual disciplines are about building routines, creating habits. Most of us just don't fall into a habit of eating healthy or of exercising daily. We have to work at it. Same is true with practicing solitude. Developing a consistent routine of silence and solitude means that we are prioritizing to seek peace in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the storm. One of my favorite theologians is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he writes, we are silent at the beginning of the day because God should have the first word. And we are silent before going to sleep because the last word also belongs to God. Are we giving God the first and the last word each and every day, the routine? Are we being intentional with being still? Right now, most of us, we, we can't go on a, on a silent retreat necessarily. But we can create these, these mini moments, miniature solitude moments, to connect with God in, in the midst of the storm of this pandemic. So, so I want to encourage you to find time to be quiet. Turn everything off. Tune off the noise. Just, just be still. Just listen. Find space for solitude, a chair, a place in the house, somewhere outside. And say, you know what, that's, that's my, my still and quiet place. And work to create those routines that you can repeat day after day. So as a church, let's spend some time this week calming our minds, stilling our hearts, creating routines where where we remind ourselves to be still and to know that God is God. Amen.